insane. You keep me so low that I'm speaking your refrain. Got a story, got a point. If you let them explain, it's the pun of all puns. Get a pun with Papa Wayne. Rum tap in the vein, and I'm in his brain pain. MHOG secret, leave and stay. You ain't as dope as us, bitch. Stay in your lane. say something when I when I point to you. I didn't really point, but you get it. So this episode is gonna be a little different. So we like no like normally we would do this on video and I do a a full metal movies or something. Uh you know like uh just do it on YouTube but we got a long drive we were just at three alarm comics in Biloxi for the day and uh so we are going to do a full movie breakdown this is going to be all about spider-man homecoming if you have not seen spider-man homecoming you should probably not listen anymore to this movie this podcast this podcast it's a movie we're moving fuck you hustle anyway so with that in mind, you've been warned all about the fucking spoilers now. So, John. Yes. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> oh, sorry. So we're on the road in, John, in John's car, and his, his camera just made a noise, his, his uh, dash cam. I was like, what, what happened? Anyway, what did you think of Spider-Man Homecoming? I thought it was... An excellent movie, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I don't know if I'd say it's the best Spider-Man movie made so far, but it's probably the one that I enjoyed the most watching. Alright, fair enough. I think this is going to be one of those movies that's going to aggravate me when people talk to me about it, because I think it's going to be like The Dark Knight, and everybody's going to be like, Oh, Adam hated it. Adam didn't hate it. Adam, like, I, I liked it. I thought it was very enjoyable. I saw it twice. I paid for it once. And I saw it with... Is he with you? Yeah, I saw it with you yeah. and your wife. Uh, who's not going to listen to this? But anyway, hi, Liz. Anyway, I I saw it twice because I enjoyed it. And uh, actually, I partially saw it twice because I felt like I needed to be reminded what happened in it. Because, like, a lot of shit happens in this movie. Like, it's not... Like, normally Spider-Man movies feel to me like... You know, there's a story and, like, something happens. And then a few minutes later, something else happens. This feels like something happens and then fucking something else happens. And then more shit happens on top of that. And look, wait, another thing happened. 
felt like a lot of shit happened, so I needed to see it twice. Um, but I really liked it. Um, I think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man, but I think I personally still actually like Amazing Spider-Man better than the other ones. Um, even though it's not a... There's a lot that's wrong with that movie, but I feel like that was... I don't know. Like, it's weird. So, I feel like this movie got as much right as it did wrong. And I feel like Amazing Spider-Man got the things that this movie got wrong, got that right. But the opposite, like, they got a lot of shit wrong that this movie got right. You know? I see. Uh, do you actually agree? Or you just like, yeah, shut up. <laughs> I don't know. I, there's not, I don't think there's much wrong with this movie that would put it on an equal footing of the things that I have find wrong with the Amazing Spider-Man 1 at least. Now, I guess it's less that that I find Amazing Spider-Man 1 to be a very like not really a cohesive movie. There's a lot about it I enjoyed and I really liked aspects of it. I really liked the two main leads and their performances, but... I thought you were going to say, I really liked that asset that played <laughs> Spider-Man. No, I really like uh, Garfield, and I I really like his uh, acting. I think the, the writing of his character didn't do him a lot of favors, but uh, I like the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. I don't really care for the second, but the first one... I, I like it, but I can I feel like the seams show in that movie. Like you can see where it was shot and pulled apart, and there was reshoots, and it was stitched back together, and there's just it just doesn't really work as a whole to me. But I don't dislike the movie. I like it fairly well. I like Homecoming. I don't feel that problem at all. Uh, as far as like it not feeling like a, I feel like it's a cohesive whole, which is you know. It's, quite a lot quite you know it's a lot to to its credit because it comes where we've already been introduced to this spider-man he's already existing in a universe that we've already existed in for you know however many movies it's been so i think uh, this movie had a tall order especially since me i mean a lot of people i know and me included were kind of burnt out on spider-man now we've had the not only have we had five movies in you know a decade but the last one wasn't that good, and it re- already retread a, st- a lot of stuff that we've already covered. Like, we, we went from zero to Harry Osborn as the Goblin in two movies instead of three movies this time. Which is like, you know, I don't know, but... I don't know, I, I think this movie just, it felt... there were, You know, it, it's not too something too complex and, you know, whatever... But for what it shot for, I think it executed it well. And it made Peter Parker a likable teenage human character that you rooted for, which I think is, you know, as a really important thing that they were able to pull off. I agree with most of that. But I do think this movie has a lot of problems with story. And I'll start with one. Who do you think is the villain of this movie? The uh, homecoming? Yeah. Well, I mean, the vulture is necessarily, I would guess, the villain of the piece. 
and he not only provides the uh, you know the antagonist to for Spider-Man to face, but he's also the figure. You know, Spider-Man's trying to have it both ways through the movie. He's trying to both be a student and also, you know, be a normal life with his, you know, his schooling and friends and whatever, but also be Spider-Man. And also, the, so the Vulture, uh, who's very well played by Michael Keaton, he's the figure who not only is opposed to Spider-Man, but then in the end shows Peter Parker that like he can't really divide his world of Spider-Man and his world of Peter Parker. Like they come together, you know, and it's, it's really interesting how it, it, you know, he has to face that truth at the end. All right. I don't want to be a dick, but no, all that's wrong. (laughs) The villain of this movie is Tony Stark. The, everything this fucking movie happens because Tony Stark is an asshole. The movie starts with, and then by the way, and this was the worst scene of the movie for me because it doesn't, it clashes with everything else, but the movie starts with Michael Keaton's character who's it, like, they show like he's a good guy, he's a family guy, his little girl draws, which doesn't come into play the rest of the show, like the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie there's a different character that, that draws, but that's okay. But he's a really good guy and then Damage Control like an old Marvel concept comes in, played by the bitch from the the Cagney and Lacey, Tin, Taylor Nine, <laughs> Tin Nine, Tindale, whatever her name is, and all of a sudden he's he's fucking like fuck it, I'm a villain, I'm gonna kill people now, and it didn't really play. Like I think that I think him as a villain, like a character, Michael Keaton, pulls everything off, except for that one scene because I don't really work. But back to my point, so. Damage Control shows up. You can rub my arm. It's okay. Uh, oh, you love it. Damage Control shows up, and they're like, fuck you. I don't care if, like, if you lose your house. And by the way, like, they're just showing you Michael Keaton's crew. Like, realistically, there were probably 50 different subcontractors who were hired to do this work who many of whom probably lost their, their, their livelihoods because Tony Stark went to the government and said, Hey, I'm going to create this company called damage control and they're going to clean up shit like this. And so these people just throw it out on the street and that's, that's Adrian, uh, what's his last name? It's Tombs. 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 Adrian Tombs. That's his motivation. So you got that. And then later, you're introduced to Punk, well, right after you introduced to, to Peter Parker. And so Tony gives him like a fucking $4 million suit with an uh, artificial intelligence and like web bombs and all kinds of shit. And then he like throws him out on the street. And that's it. And like he talks all the time about like, I wanted you to be better than me. Well, then why the fuck didn't you trade him? Like, things keep happening in this movie, and I'll give you a bunch of examples. When when him and Peter are fighting after the boat thing, Peter's like, I went to you with this, and you ignored me. And he's like, no, nah, they didn't call the FBI. Why the fuck didn't you tell him that? All you had to do was fucking, like, you have fucking internet in your brain 
and he's got a fucking artificial intelligence, which by the way, if you were too lazy to train him, Tony, why the fuck didn't you just activate the artificial intelligence and have her train him? That seems like common sense. And also, best relationship in the movie is Karen and Peter. There was not enough Jennifer Connelly as Karen, the artificial intelligence in this movie. <laughs> that was the best relationship in the movie. And anyway, so, so fucking, so, and then there's like so many things like, Peter's talking about like, look, these guys have, they're selling weapons to drug dealers and shit with Chitari technology. He's like, don't you think we should do something? And Tony goes, that's a little below the Avengers pay grade. Not the fuck isn't. Think, stop and think about this. Like, like I was thinking about this the other day. The best subplot in this movie would make such a more amazing movie than anything Marvel has done before. Fucking drug dealers get a hold of alien technology. Okay? And they're stealing it from the U.S. government, which, by the way, Tony Stark's organization seems pretty lax in keeping track of because they steal it for like eight years and nobody fucking notices until fucking Spider-Man is going to a party and sees the shit in the fucking street one day. And anyway, so meantime, the U.S. government is collecting alien technology, which, by the way, I don't trust the U.S. government to have alien technology. And this is the part that would make much a much better movie. What would happen if the United States got hold of alien technology? Don't you think the other governments of the world would, would start World War III and start nuking the fuck out of us if they thought that we had a technological advantage that would decimate the entire world? Well, maybe you're supposed to be think it's like the end of uh, Raiders and that they just put it all away in a warehouse... Well, like the one that Peter ended up in, and everybody's supposed to agree that it's all shut away and not to be used. Fair enough. Still, still wouldn't <laughs> work. But no, it, but it, it, I can accept it. Look, it's I understand. It's you got to accept certain things in the movie. I can accept that. I'm just saying that would make an amazing movie. Oh well, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. But again, like Tony Stark basically says, that's below our, that's beneath us. When in actuality, that's a bigger threat than Hydra and all that other shit. Like, I mean, it's not bigger than Thanos, but they should absolutely be out there, like, like finding this alien technology well, and shit lo- like that. Logically, that's true, because don't they reference that they have the black hole grenades from Thor the Dark World at some point? I think I, I heard that in the dialogue about, like, the weapons that they were You know selling. what? I don't think they mentioned Thor, but they did mention, like, Black Hole Grenades. Right, so. well, it was just the one... Oh, uh, yeah, the, that's a little clever thing that I the, noticed. The Dark Elves used, which, to me, is, like, you know, insanely crazy technology. You would make someone disappear with no trace with those grenades, <laughs> pretty much. Right. Which, you know, yeah, it seems like they would be a little more concerned about tracking that down. Actually, my favorite line, one of my favorite lines in the movie, lines in the movie, is... Uh, uh, Donald Glover plays the prowler. Oh, right, right. <laughs> and he's just like, dude, I just want to stick somebody up. I don't want to rape them into time or something uh, like that. Send or, them back in time. Oh, yeah, yeah, shoot them back in time. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> but, but no, but, so, like, Tony's just super responsible. And what it comes down to is, like, it's the, we're, okay, this is why it bothers me. It's one of my pet peeves in movies, and this is the problem I had with Civil War, 
I don't like movies where the premise, like the only way the plot functions is if people do illogical things and don't tell people information that they would normally tell people. And I'll give you the, for instance, Civil War. In Civil War, everything that bad, bad that, that happens happens because Captain America doesn't go to Tony and just explain what's going on. And every time a character is like, shouldn't we talk to Tony? Cap goes, no, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't listen. Except at the end of the fucking movie, he sees evidence that, that like of what happened. And he's like, oh shit, I was wrong. Let me go help Captain America. He fucking believes him instantly when he gets the information. So, and then like later on, and then like Tony finds out that the Winter Soldier killed his parents and Cap knew. And he's like, did you know? And Cap's like, yeah, kind of. It's like, why the fuck didn't you tell him that? Everything that happened in that movie happened because Cap, because Cap is an asshole. The entire movie, Cap is the villain in that movie. Tony Stark is the villain in pretty much every other Marvel movie except Captain America Civil War. Anyway, so, like, that's my, like, I don't like that. I don't like that, like, like the whole move of this movie happens because Tony Stark's an asshole. Well, as a random aside, who in the cinematic universe is actually in the Avengers at this point post-Civil War? Uh, when he says, are, like, can the like, Avengers is below Vision. their grade? Vision, who's like a god. Uh, I think War Machine probably, like, they it's, gave him an exoskeleton or some right. shit like that. He's probably a cyborg now. Oh, oh, man, in the next movie, in, in, in Infinity War... We're going to find out it's that, that Marvel plot from uh, Avengers, The Initiative, where he's bonded to his suit now and he can't get out of it. Oh, my gosh. Which they got rid of later. But like, there, there was a while where he literally was, was his suit was, was his body. Anyway. I, uh, like, uh, I assume Black Widow still is because she was on Iron Man's side. Yeah, yeah, but then she, she kind of didn't, you know, she kind of let Captain America escape. But... I assume she's still an Avenger. Yeah, I think but that's then it, counting Iron Man, that's four, and you've just got two armored dudes, one Infinity, you know, robot, and oh Thor, like, oh Thor, but I'm, he's he, part time. He's part time. I assume you're supposed to assume that he hasn't been on the Earth all this time. I assume. Yeah, I think they're gonna explain that in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. It's probably because because him and Hulk aren't there, so that probably takes place during Civil War. Right. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I don't know. I don't know who's in it. Maybe Tony shouldn't be turning people down like that. <laughs> You're um, right. Right. I, I, I don't know if there's only three or four Avengers right now. Yeah. Uh, they could use a Spider-Man. But, um, so then, like, so Tony Stark's the villain of the movie. Um, the other thing, so they made some strange changes to this franchise. One of them is... Peter doesn't have spider sense anymore. Not in this franchise. Right. Like, he's frequently, like, one of the first scenes with him as Spider-Man is him sneaking into the apartment that he and Aunt May live in, and he sneaks in, and all of a sudden, Gank, or Ned, Ned Leeds, which we'll get into in a minute, or a few minutes, Ned Leeds sneaks up on him. And as soon as that happens, I'm like, he doesn't have fucking spider sense. Yeah, I think, which I think in this universe, 
I think the artificial intelligence. The, yeah, the suit is going to be the spider sense. Right. In a way, it's still a weird change, though. I mean, it, it's weird in that it's a. It's, I'm not it's saying that it's a problem. It, yeah. I'm not saying it's a problem. I didn't notice it until halfway in the movie. Well, no, I noticed it when the Ned Leaves thing happened, but but it didn't bother me. I'm just saying it's an interesting change that they decided to make. Um, the other major change, and this is something that I didn't think about fully until I was uh, reading a post by Max Landis, the guy who wrote Chronicle and Ultra, and he's... American Ultra. American Ultra. Is it Max Landis or is that his dad? It's Max, right? John yeah, John Landis. Landis John Landis' is, is dad. Yeah. Right, okay. So, again, most of this isn't stuff that I specifically put together. I did notice that there was an underlying thing where you never hear him say with great power comes from great responsibility, which I don't necessarily need him to say that, but I did think it was noticeable that he didn't, it never came up. So what Max Landis pointed out is that that's not just something that doesn't happen in a literal sense of the movie. In a broader sense, there is no sense of responsibility at all in the movie. Like by, like in a weird way, the fact that they didn't mention Uncle Ben dying becomes sort of a cascade effect, wherein it's like Uncle Ben doesn't exist to this Peter Parker. He was never, he never raised them. It was all Aunt May. He never told them what great power comes great responsibility. Peter never had to stop a bank robber and didn't and got him killed. Because, like, in terms of this universe, Peter's 50. 16, 15. So Uncle Ben would have died within a year of this happening. And like neither he nor Aunt May acts at all like Uncle Ben, like it's a problem. Like he's, he's pretty good. She seems like a hip single chick who I found out she's actually a year older than Rue McClanahan was in the Golden Girls. (laughs) I just want to say I'd fuck her and Rue McClanahan like now. I don't know if any... Anyway, I'm going to move on from that, that thought. I'm just saying, Rue McClanahan's fucking hot. Anyway, um, but so there's this... this Like, so they, they act as if Uncle Ben didn't really exist, and you see that throughout the movie. Keep people, Peter keeps doing irresponsible things that frequently almost get people killed, and then when he saves them, he gets the credit. Like the, the bomb thing in the Washington Monument. He caused that because he was irresponsible because he was like, now nah, I'm going to do this and they're going to make me an Avenger. And then he almost killed like his best friend and everyone that he's friends with at that school, including Indian Flash Thompson, which is another weird thing that we'll get to later. It's a little bit, but, um, it, but he keeps doing that. He keeps making these huge mistakes. And again, The overarching villain is Tony Stark because Tony doesn't notice that he keeps telling Tony this shit's going on. Tony's like, look, just don't call Happy. Go eat a churro. That's it. Like, that's his whole fucking advice. Instead of, oh shit, this this organization that are created to keep track of alien technology isn't doing their job? Like, that, that place doesn't even have alarms. He broke out. Which, actually, that's my favorite part. There's like a five minute sequence where he's like, Karen, help me break out of this. Because she's like, yeah, it's not going to open until tomorrow morning. 
when he breaks out, it's tomorrow morning. <laughs> so he spent the whole time, <laughs> like, he spent literally like eight hours trying to get the thing open. But, um, anyway, um, so yeah, so there's, there's no sense of responsibility in it and no sense of consequence. Like later on, when he saves the day, Tony goes to him and says, you messed up big time, which we agree. Yes, he did. Then the next line is, but then you did, you did the right thing and you, you stepped up and you did the right thing. Peter did the exact same thing the third time as he did the first two. He did nothing different. He went out on his own instead of calling. Actually, he did try to call for help later. But still, he went out on his own. And he, like, here's something. And this is an example of no consequence. This is actually, this movie's almost the, like, a, in some ways, almost like a DC movie. When he's, when he's on the, the Stark plane, the fucking engine fuselages keep falling out over the city. And there's no concern with where it lands. Like, I think we're supposed to believe, like, it fell into the water, but you keep seeing city underneath them. Like, they would have killed thousands of people, every single one of them. Can you, you imagine, like, like... You mean the engines? It was the, the fuselage. Am I saying the wrong thing? Well, the fuselage is the main body of the... Uh, I'm sorry. The, the, anyway, the yeah. engines, the propellers, like the, they keep... They had four of them that fell out onto the city. Right. And there's no no attention paid to it. They just drop out. And I, part of me was like, are they going to show that he's over water? Just to like prove a point? No, they don't do that. They don't worry about it. But he, he crashes this massive like plane, this carrier plane. And again, so many people could have gotten killed. More people than the ferry. <laughs> but, well, uh, he, he, he diverted it away from the the towers. Right, I understand that part. I understand that part. What I'm saying is he didn't do anything different. He did the same thing. It's just this time he lucked out and nobody that we know of died. Well, that's true. So what I'm saying is like there's no sense of... The only thing that he learns at the end is he's like, maybe I should be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, which comes out of nowhere because the whole movie's predicated on the idea that he wants to be an Avenger and just for some reason at the end he's just like, nah, I'm good. And I don't know why. I don't know why he wasn't just like, yes, please give me the super, you know, the $10 million, which I did like the new Iron Spider suit. I don't know what it was designed on, but it looked familiar. Like, it, it looked like uh, an Alex Ross design or something. Well, I think, like, part of what he learns is, like, you know, the whole movie, he wants to go to school and then... But at some point he doesn't. At some point he's just like... I'm going to be an Avenger and then I'm out of here. He just says it like, like, and that's when, that's when it gets, uh, detention because the oh. teacher's behind him and he's uh, the, not the teacher, the principal's behind him. And he's just like, uh, we need to talk. No, you can't just leave school when you feel like it. You know? Well, I mean, the, what I'm saying is like with the vulture, he learns that, you know, Oh, somebody he, needs to look up a lot. I'll give you that. I think, I think that's a fair point. It, it still felt a little out for me, but at least that is an explanation that makes sense. Right. Because you're right, he even says that, like, somebody needs to look out for the little guy. And um, even though that's even part of the Vulture's... The Vulture's point of view is he's the little guy. Right. Although he's kind of full of shit, but at the same time... But that goes to my point, that Tony Stark is the villain. <laughs> well, he even... Like, Vulture even says as much, because... 
he's like, how did you think that Tony Stark became rich? Right. You know, which I really, I really admire the movie for leaving that line is because I feel like that's the kind of line that someone probably at some point was like, why don't you just leave that out? <laughs> but. Alright, well, put it to you this way. Like, let's imagine this movie takes place in strictly the Sony universe, and they got someone else to play Iron Man that wasn't as charming, charming as Robert Downey Jr. Do you think any of that would have been pulled off with a different actor as Tony Stark? So that's the thing. Like, Tony Stark, in all these Marvel movies, he does fucked up shit, like, not intentionally, but he does stuff that does, much like Peter nearly get a lot of people killed or actually does get a lot of people killed but it's like eh, it's Robert Downey Jr. we really like him so you kind of ignore that well it's it's part of I think it's part of his character is this sort of can't can't keep but screwing up over and over and over somehow and he keeps learning the same not exactly the same lesson but in a way he keeps trying to fix the world for everybody, and he keeps, you know... Right, and and you're right. That is part of his personality. I'm just saying, the reason that the audience ignores all that is because, is because he's, they like he's Robert Downey Jr. He's an extremely charismatic right. actor and an extremely now imagine, charismatic performance. Imagine the original yeah. performer who was going to be Iron Man. Tom Cruise was his character. And I'm not saying people don't like Tom Cruise, but I think people buy, would buy him more as an asshole... Right. And blame him more, and the, I don't think he would pull it off the way Robert Downey Jr. does. Right. Because Robert Downey Jr. doesn't play Tony Stark. Robert Downey Jr. plays Robert Downey Jr. In the comics, Tony Stark is more of an asshole that you don't like. Um, anyway, um, so that's, that's those are my major complaints with the movie. But I do think that they got as much right as they did wrong. Like, I think I think most of the performances in it were fantastic. I am still weirded out by wanting to fuck Aunt May. Like I feel like like Sally Field as Aunt May, I thought was perfect because I don't want to fuck Sally Field. I want to fuck Marissa Tomei, and it's weird to want to fuck Aunt May. Well, just as, I mean that's because I know you're not trying to fuck Marissa Tomei, but don't you think so? Come on, John. Come on, hustle. But it's like. You know, we are just used to 80-year-old Aunt May because that's what Steve Ditko drew at the first. But there's no reason that Aunt May should logically be that old if Peter's 15, you know. I understand what you're saying. I, I And it makes sense. But between Marissa Tomei and Diane Lane as Ma Kent, I don't want to fuck Ma Kent either. <laughs> but I totally want to fuck Diane Lane. And that's weird. You shouldn't, like, I don't want to be an age where I want to fuck Ma Kent and Aunt May. Wasn't Diane Lane Judge Hershey yes. in the first Judge Dredd yes. movie? But she doesn't age for whatever reason. <laughs> she was also the mother in that jump, the Christian uh, Hayden Princess in the first movie. Ah, uh, yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the one of the X-Men movie yeah, with Sam yeah. Jackson. Right. Uh, she's in a lot of stuff. Um, but... Um, but anyway, Mercer Tomei is great. Uh, the kid who plays Ned Leeds, which again, we're going to get to all this, that stuff in a minute, but he's great. She, even Jennifer Connelly as Karen, like I said, that is a thing to me. This movie does feel like, you know, those movies like 
Valentine's Day that have all these like inner intertwining plots right with like different relationships this movie feels like that to me except the other person in every relationship is Peter <laughs> so like there's a plot about Peter's relationship oh I didn't talk about that but we'll talk about it in a minute Peter's relationship with Liz right there's a plot with Peter's relationship with Gank Peter's relationship with Aunt May and but they they feel like there are specific plots in this movie that are divergent but then sort of intersect with the other ones if that right. makes sense I don't know. It just feels very... I don't even know what the word is. But it's It's interesting. It's not bad. It's just interesting. But, um... So, yeah. So, Liz... So... Now, this is something only people like you and me would notice. When you hear Ned, most people are like... It's kind of weird that somebody would have a name, the name Ned. Right. But, he's Ned Leeds. Ned Leeds, yes. Who's... The second Hobgoblin, I think. One of them. I'm not actually not too knowledgeable about my Hobgoblin right. history. I'm pretty sure he's the second. He took over from the the British mercenary guy. Right. I know that like they had to do a last minute when the the first reveal was like a last minute switch up or something. Yeah, right? there's a long story behind that that we don't need to get into. Right. I don't even <laughs> I don't even know all the characters in that. There's like it's one of those stories that the writer had planned out. And this was before the internet. But people figured it out, so it's like, fuck it. Now it's Ned Leeds. Anyway, so here's the thing, weird thing about Ned Leeds. And this is, like, there's a lot of weird di- racial diversity stuff in this. So Ned Leeds looks like a character named Gank or Ganky. Uh, I think it's Gank. But anyway, Gank is Miles Morales's Asian best friend. Right. He looks like Gank. I think Gank was also a tech geek. I'm not really sure. But let's assume he is. And we know that the character is based on Gank because Sarah Pacelli and Brian Bendis get a story credit or like a thank you, whatever it's called, at the end of the movie. So we know it's Gank. But for some reason, they decided to name him Ned Leeds, which is fucking weird. I mean, but his name is Ned. I think... You know, is his actual... No, they, they confirmed him Ned, Ned, Ned Oh, Leeds. okay. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. But even if even if it wasn't Ned Leeds, like, it's implied when... It, you know, because, like, the first name that you see... One of the first names you see is Betty Brandt. Right. So then you got Betty Brandt, so Ned... So you know it's Ned Leeds. Then you get Liz, who you assume is Liz Allen, because that's the... Because at that point, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're, like, using all these Spider-Man character names... And then you have, again, Indian Flash Thompson, which I don't have a problem with that actor or that character, but that was not Flash Thompson. Like, when he's like, yo, DJ Flash in the house, I was like, fuck you. <laughs> but um, but it was just weird to me. Like, the, So the Liz Allen thing is the, probably the only bothersome one because later on you find out, and, I, okay, what did you think of the twist that Liz was Adrian Toomes' daughter? I like I. I mean, it's one of those movie coincidences that probably is you know way too convenient for you know right reality's sake. But I think in the movie's terms, it works fine and it's a pretty good you know 
you know, twist moment. And it also brings home to Peter, like, that, you know, you know, he's been trying to, you know, lead the double life of this secret identity superhero. And it all comes, both worlds come crashing together at that one moment where he opens the door. And I think it's a really, like, you know, it's a really strong moment. I can understand, though, if it didn't work for some people, though. Uh, I think most people it worked for, and I can't even say it didn't work for me. I honestly don't know how to feel about it, because I'm still stuck on her being Liz Allen. And so, and I, in the, in the, okay, so the actress who plays her is black, but you can see her being mixed. Right. So, I guess I can kind of accept that, but I'm just, like, at that point, like I said, like, I'm just assuming this is Liz Allen. And I'm like, wait, is that her stepdad or is she Liz Toombs? Because I don't maybe, know. Maybe, she, maybe she is like a, a child from a previous marriage of right, the but, mom or something. I don't know. But that's the problem with introducing like that kind of twist. Like, it's like now you have questions. Like, wait, is she? Because she keeps calling him dad, and he's obviously been raising her since she was a little girl. Because they had the right. the picture, so she would have been was seven or eight when she drew that picture of the Avengers. Um, but yeah, I still don't quite know. Like, I don't, I don't hate it. I just kind of have trouble buying it, I guess. I don't know. It's, I don't know why they would call the character Liz if it's, you know, if it's going to open up all those questions. On the other hand, it But no one's going to notice that, but people like us. Yeah, but on the other hand, I noticed it and it doesn't it didn't really matter to me because you know it only the, matters to me because because now in the middle of a movie that I'm enjoying I'm asking myself like wait is that Liz Allen or is that not Liz Allen and it's the same thing with with Gank being named Ned Leeds I'm like wait is is it Ned Leeds is it Gank is it is it neither is it both I shouldn't have those questions right I mean, it is, it's kind of like a, a thing where, I mean, you know, I, I do have those moments in the movie where I'm trying to figure that out. Well, who's this character supposed to be? On the other hand, it doesn't really matter because the movie is just trying to tell its own story. Right. I don't know where, at what point they decide to have this character be named this instead of this, but on the ter- terms of the movie, whether he's ter- whether he's named uh, this or that or, right. or Bob, it it doesn't matter as far as the, the it know. doesn't but I feel like this movie I, I have this feeling with a lot of movies lately I feel like this movie wasn't quite finished like it was like one draft shy of being polished oh I have that feeling with almost all movies nowadays I feel like there's a lot of them like that right yeah it feels like they were like at some point they were like okay this is our release date this draft seems shootable Right. So we'll just Rogue One's one of those movies where I was like, "There's a lot that I like about this, but why is this like that? You know, right. why is why is this here?" And I'll give you a perfect example. I mentioned it earlier. So at the beginning of the movie, Adrian Toome shows a picture of uh, of the Avengers that his daughter drew, which is supposed to be Liz. Right. But through the rest of the movie, you have this Michelle character. That has no purpose in the movie, frankly. She she shows up, she says something snarky like, Peter, what are you doing? I'm just kidding, I don't care, and then she leaves. Then she just keeps doing that. And the only thing, other thing that she does is she draws, and then she makes a weird racial comment about the Washington Monument. 
which apparently isn't even true. Apparently there's no evidence. They don't know for sure, but there's no evidence that the Washington Monument was built by slaves. In fact, they think that it wasn't, but I don't know. Anyway, but she does nothing, but I had the sneaking suspicion that at one point in the movie, there was no Liz Allen. There was just Michelle, and they were the same character. And then at some point they were like, no, there needs to be a consequence of Adrian Toomes going to jail. And if it's Michelle, she's got to go away and they'd be a different character. Uh, I think. I'm not, I don't, I don't know, but that's my suspicion. And that's what I mean by like, I feel like this movie wasn't quite polished. Right. There's like little things that don't make sense. One of them, here's another big one. So the tinkerers in this movie, which I enjoy. You know, like, it's kind of cool. The Prowler's in it, but he's not really a villain, which fits with the I, Prowler. I really like that, that, like, that moment in the car, the parking garage. Where he's like, I got ice cream? Yeah, and, yeah. He, well, he's, and he's, like, talking to Spider-Man, who turns on his Dark Knight voice, which I, I thought was actually really funny. Right. And he's just, like, not intimidated at all, and... Yeah, and he says, like, you gotta get you better, gotta get at, better this. at this part. I really appreciate it because, I mean, it's really, if if you had a 15-year-old kid going out and trying to interrogate criminals, you know. Look, I'm not going to get into that whole thing where Donald Glover could have been Spider-Man and whether he should or shouldn't, even though he should. But Donald Glover's the best character in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like I mentioned the line earlier, like, I don't want to, like, shoot this guy at that time. But but then he's got other little lines where, like, He's clearly not a great guy. Yeah, yeah. But then he's like, I got a nephew that lives in this neighborhood. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want those guns out there. But it's like, he's got, I feel like he's a full rounded character. Right. Even though he's got all of two minutes of the movie. <laughs> right. Um, and he's still, they remind you at the end, he's like, you're still a bad guy. You're still, you were still trying to rob people. You were trying to buy guns off of like right. gun runners. But, but anyway, but, um, uh, uh, yeah, but there's all, so there's all kinds of like little things in the movie that I feel like just didn't quite come together, but, and this is kind of like, we were talking about Amazing Spider-Man earlier. You, you and I talked about that movie and you've explained every problem you have with that movie and everything you said, I seem to recall going, well, that's true. Well, that's true. That's definitely true, but I still really enjoyed the movie. Right. And you, like, at the end of the day, like, none of these Marvel movies are perfect. They all have some flaw, or it's like, oh, just chase the MacGuffin, you know, or whatever. Like, And almost all of them have weak villains, say, I think people are a little harsher on the villains than they deserve. Some of them, like, Thor the Dark World, absolutely, there's barely anything to... Uh, the yeah. what's his name? The the dark elf. Um, and there's Ant, the Ant Man guy whose name I don't even know. Besides that, besides the Scott something, he gets into the yellow jacket. Yeah, he's yellow jacket. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's like bargain basement of. Uh, he's cheesy, but at least they explain his motivation. Yeah, and that he's crazy. I thought they. I bought his motivation more than I bought Michael Keaton, even though Michael Keaton's probably one of the best Marvel villains that they've had so far. I'd argue. 
Yeah, I, I also appreciated that Michael Keaton, uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture wasn't. I mean, obviously he's a bad dude. I mean, he, even though he only accidentally kills his henchman that time with a gun, he still doesn't really look that broken up about it, <laughs> you know. Right, so, but, but that's another thing is, like, the character turn doesn't work because then later he's all about killing this 15-year-old boy, like, lethally. You know, like, you, I, every time Michael Keaton is playing the, the, the vulture as villainous and murderous, I buy it. But, like, at the beginning of the movie, in scenes like that, I'm like, I feel like he's playing Mr. Mom. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, I'm a really nice guy. Like, I'm a working-class guy. Let's go. I'm going to go make the movie gung-ho. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think that Michael Keaton can't help but bring some weird level of undercurrent of unease to any performance he's, he's making. Like, even when, like... Uh, Tombs is kind of like being friendly Tombs. There's just this weird, like, I don't know, unease about him. I don't know, but I don't, I didn't, I didn't have, I don't think I had a problem really with the, the portrayal or the character, so to speak. Although, I, I th- like I said, I thought it was amazing. I just felt like the weird character moments where you're supposed to buy that he was a good guy right. kind of threw off the performance you know I think I think he's a the character is probably not a great dude but he does have legitimate you know grievances with Tony Stark totally and you could also you could kind of see yourself like if you just got totally screwed out of your job and your life plans for your supporting your family you got this truck full of weapons now, maybe I wouldn't be like, well, I'm going to make weapons and sell them to criminals, but I could see myself being like, you know, I'm just going to keep this for me. Here's, but, uh, but here's another problem with the plot. So they got the Tinkerer there, and the dude is smart enough to, to retro, what do they call it, retrofit yeah. alien technology with Earth technology. Like, it seems like he could get a much better job than that. Like, he could be doing better than working... What was he doing for for Michael Keaton in the first place? Uh, maybe he's uh, <laughs> was, a. He was the fucking IT guy, and he's just like. Well, maybe he already I, had a criminal record, and he can only get a job in construction or. or fair, de- fair, de- fair de- point. Construction. <laughs> fair point, but there should have been a line about that if that's the case. Well, that's true. But also, I gotta figure there's more applications for like this limitless alien technology. Like, it was like zero-point energy or some shit. Like, couldn't they have done something besides right. building weapons? I mean... <laughs> yeah, in a more cynical version of this Marvel Universe, I can imagine a, a point where Tony Stark is talking with some other high-up like high up industry types and is like, look, the Earth's not ready to have this kind of technology. Let's try to, like, ease the world into having, you know the ability to have flying cars and jetpacks and right. whatever. But instead of being like, you get an arc reactor and you get an yeah, arc right. reactor. Everybody gets an arc reactor. Right. If you if you have They kind of dropped that subplot from Avengers by the way where he's like, I'm the new name and uh like limitless limitless clean energy. Like they oh, kind of right. forgot about that. 
<laughs> but that's fine. You know, it's... Um, I will say that one of my favorite moments in the movie was... and Because it, there's no chance that I would have guessed this. When Pepper Potts shows up. Right. I had no idea that was going to happen. Well, my thing is, like... Why, why would you pay Gwyneth Paltrow God knows how much money for, like, a minute at most on screen? Like, probably, like, closer to 45 seconds. But it worked. Right. Partially because of that little tease of, like, he's going to ask her to marry him. Right. Which I really hope they follow through on. Because I think that's a little connective square to the larger Marvel Universe where um, it's unnecessary, but I think it drives the plot forward in a way that you didn't need to see it, but it's nice that it's there. Like, if it turns, if, if in Avengers Infinity War, they just, they've, they're already married, you wouldn't question that. You'd just be like, I guess they got back together. But having that scene in there assists that in a positive way right. for me as an audience member. Um, another little connective thread. Um, so the principal of Peter's school, which is like uh, a tech school, like a MIT prep school kind of thing. Right. In fact, I think it's called MITS. Midtown Institute of Technology, something like that. It's something like that. Um, it's, uh, no, it's M-I-S-T. Mid- Midtown Institute of Science and Technology. Anyway, oh, it's MIST. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so the principal of that school, uh, as he's talking to Peter in his office, has a little frame, a uh, frame picture above his head that's meant to be of his grandfather. And there's no reason for him to have a picture of his grandfather up, but his grandfather, like you see, is in a war, is from, like probably in World War II or in a military uniform. And the connection that you're supposed to make is that that was one of uh, Cap's Holland commandos, because I'm pretty sure that was an Asian guy. I think that was him uh, in the movie. So, kind of a weird coincidence for, you know, to be realistic, but really, really like that. Like, that was a nice little moment where, like, you didn't have to notice it, but, you know, it's, again, it's connected thread that I think helps the audience, or helps the universe. I thought it was interesting that, apparently, uh, I read an interview that, like, they shot all the the German airport fight scenes, the ones that were in his, like, home, you know, phone camera footage. They had to reshoot all of that, and, like, again. Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't, like, something they shot in, during Civil War. They I was it. wondering. I was kind of hoping they did. I mean, yeah, that would have been uh, probably cheaper for them if that had happened that way, but... Of course, I mean, I, obviously they didn't get all those actors back together. I'm sure there was well, you didn't see any of trig- trickery. You didn't really see any of them, right? Well, yeah, just from a distance, just their blurry, easily blurry could figures. have been standing, right, standing. Yeah. or it might have just been CGI. Well, that's true too. Um, so there's a rumor, like right before like, the day the movie came out, there was a rumor that Spider-Man Two, whatever they call that is going to 
be set a few minutes after the first Avengers, the Infinity War. So, what I'm wondering is, because I, I don't know about you, but I really like that little Peter's making a home movie right. intro. I thought it was charming. There was a lot to to get get the point across of what kind of Peter Parker we're looking at. He's a little geeky. He's a little weird. He's a fanboy. Like they do an amazing job of getting the point across of what, like establishing what kind of Peter we're dealing with. Right. You know, just in case you didn't see Civil War, you know, which is good. It's good that they. I, I that is one problem that people have is uh, somebody was telling me this other day they don't like the way. Like, they like the fact that Marvel's connected, but they don't like the fact that it feels like you have to see every movie to understand the next movie. Which isn't strictly true, but it is true for a certain number of the movies. Right. But, um, certainly for the Avengers movies, I feel like you have to, you kind of have to keep up. But, like, for the solo movies, I don't know if that's true. But, um, but yeah, but they do. So they do a great job of establishing that. But so what I'm wondering is if the second movie isn't going to have a very similar opening, right? Because the whole thing, like, you don't necessarily notice it immediately. The whole thing is meant to be an homage to like the classic Peter Parker being a, a Daily Bugle photographer and like you know, like setting up his camera to take pictures while he's fighting. Right. It's meant to be a little homage to that, you know, in a in a very colorful, fun way. And so I'm wondering, like, is that what's going to happen? Like, because like, I'd be down for that. I, th- I do like, right. I don't think they should do it too many times. But, like, if they did it a second time where Peter's like, fuck, I got asked to be, like, an Avenger again. Now I'm fighting alongside Captain America or whatever happens. And, um, yeah, I want a little footage of that, you know, whatever, you know. Um, anyway, just a thought. That would be cool. But, like I said, like, I know I just did a lot of, like, breaking down, like, what I had a problem with in this movie. But, it's, at the end of the day, it's a solid movie. Um, I'm probably going to buy it. I, like I said, I saw it twice. And I didn't really have to. Like, I felt like I needed to, but... I could I, I could see it again. I've only seen it once so far, but I could... I could imagine going to see it again. I don't know if I will, but... Right. I would not have a problem with it. The, the, okay, the, I think the main reason that I like it is because it's it's a very Marvel movie in this way. You can feel the genuine affection that the creators had for the property. Right. Like when you see the little moment towards the end that's like straight out of the Spider-Man comic where he's lifting the building off of himself. Right. You know, like that's that's somebody who loves Spider-Man. That's not somebody who's just like. Just give me a bunch of comics that I can rip off. That's somebody who read that comic. Right. You know? And then on a filmmaker standpoint, like, there's so many nice little touches. And, like, one of them I think I mentioned to you that I loved was from that scene where Peter's, like, realizing that he's going to die. By the way, Tom Holland, I felt like, did a really good job of, like, it didn't feel like shitty acting. It felt like, you know, it felt like a kid who really is afraid to die suddenly realizing his own mortality. Um, but there's a little moment where he looks at a puddle in front of him and his mask can come off and it's in the water and so he sees half his face and half the Spider-Man mask and, you know, and I was like that's a fucking amazing shot yeah that was like, a great shot 
you know, that's, that's some real thought and love put into it, you know, so, like I said, there's much wrong as it got right, but overall, it's a Spider-Man movie, right, you know, maybe, like, again, maybe next movie, a little more power responsibility, like, <coughs> as subtext, yeah. you know, because I don't really need the line, right. I know the line, but I need to feel like this is Peter Parker. I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, I have a feeling they'll go into that in the next movie more. I think this, whether or not it was the right decision, I don't know, but they just want to avoid the feeling of, oh my gosh, we just went through all this, and we're doing it again for the first movie with this character. Now, maybe it was necessary, and they should have, I don't know, but, you know, we just had Uncle Ben died and even in Amazing Spider-Man he tries to say with great power comes with great responsibility but basically says it like in a way that's like five times as long I don't know if you remember that no, that's the no, Uncle no, Ben's no. like Peter when people have gifts that give them the ability to affect well, like change said, in the world I don't know it's they don't have really. to say the specific line right but I, I know what you but mean. I need to get that feeling from right. it and I really do feel like this movie was maybe a little rushed because it needed to fit into the larger Marvel narrative. Right. You know, like you mentioned, like, I, w- I, th- I wondered genuinely if that Civil War footage was shot at the same time. Right. And you just told me it's not. Well, that implies to me that they hadn't even started working on Spider-Man at that point. Or at least know, that, Which yeah. was last year. Or at least that intro. That, you're you're yeah. right. Okay. But what I'm saying is, like, so there was probably just things that they had, you know, like they probably just gotten started working on it, you know, at that point. They were probably in pre-production or something like that when, when Civil right. War was coming out. But, um, so yeah, I, I really do think, I just think it was a mistake. I, I think they just didn't, didn't really think it through. And oh my God, that's a lot of traffic. And it looks like there was some sort of accident. No. Well, we've been talking for an hour. Do you have any last thoughts on the movie? Like, any particular moments that really stood out to you? Or, you know? I thought, uh, not really. I think, like, the characters were, you know, well-realized. The acting was pretty much all very good. Uh, the humor, for the most part, all landed. Yeah. And I really like that Peter Parker has a friend that he's like, you know... Obviously, he had Harry Osborn in the other movies, but they didn't really feel like buddies. Like, why well, did see? Are. I didn't see Dane DeHaan. Oh, <laughs> but I did see the to, James Frank. That was that was sad because, like, I thought both those actors really, really did try to give that movie their best. It's just the material. It was a shit concept. Yeah, it just let them down. I mean, there is. It was so forced to have that Harry Osborn go from you know hey Peter I'm back in town let's hang out to like I'm evil and a mutant and I'm gonna kill you in like the span of one movie I don't know it was just I I like Ned the problem is is like number one Ned does feel like he's in a different movie like it's the, he's like, the guy in the chair <laughs> you know, yeah but I'm saying like it feels like like he's in weird science like a reboot of weird <laughs> science and then and I wouldn't even notice that except for as soon as Karen comes into into the movie she's a way better like confidant than he is 
And so, like, which is going to lead to him becoming Hobgoblin, so he can compete with, you know. I'm so just, what do you say? Peter's going to start fucking his suit. <laughs> no, he's no. going to have a third web shooter. Oh, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, but no, I really like the character and the actor. I just like as soon as Karen comes in, it kind of undermines his role because they have the same role. Except hers is more intimate because she's literally... He might be the guy in the chair. She's the chick in his ear. And in the next movie, he's going to have Karen. So he doesn't need the guy in the chair anymore. Like, literally. The only reason that he is the guy in the chair is because Karen was taken away from him. Well, yeah, but he also probably provides a, a human insight that she doesn't have about things, I guess. I don't know. She, I mean, the only thing she did wrong was suggest that he, like, make out with her right there in the well, elevator. She also, like, like automatically you jumped to using, trying to use lethal force and that kind of thing. Uh, and Yeah, that, 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 like, it's a cute joke, but... <laughs> oh, like, I his, mean, his eyes started glowing red, which is... Right, right, right. No, but, like, it's it does reinforce what I was saying earlier. Like, Tony Stark basically gave a child a loaded weapon. Like, yeah. not even basically. He did. Like, why, why is that? Like, it's yeah, a joke, yeah. but still. As much as, and as much as that Spider-Man sequence in Civil War was really enjoyable, it really undermined, in a way, that movie, too, because it's a pretty somber, serious movie about registration of superheroes and superpowers. Right. And then, pretty much on a whim, Tony Stark's like, I'm going to just recruit this 15-year-old kid. Which, to which take him to another country. the point in an opposite way. <laughs> to take him to another country and fight some of, uh, you know, the most powerful humans on the face of the planet. Oh, speaking of which, I forgot to mention this. Now, I'm not a big Hannibal Buras fan, but when he has that line... <laughs> I think he's like, a war criminal. I'm pretty sure this guy's a war criminal, but anyway... <laughs> that was really good. Um, and I will commend Mark, like, Kevin Feige or whoever whoever came up with it the, the Captain America trolling at the end right even though even though like by that point I really wanted to be out of the movie and it was very dickish <laughs> but it's also kind of common sense because it's still a Sony movie it does, wouldn't make sense for them to have like a Marvel post credit scene even though they're they're partnering together so but that's that's just like the Pepper Potts thing. How much money did they pay Chris Evans to, to shoot those scenes? I have no idea. Probably a lot. But I did know. I don't know if you noticed this, but so in those scenes that Chris Evans is in, he's in the the Avengers, first Avengers costume. Right. But it's the exact same costume, but they adjusted the color on it so it didn't wasn't that powder blue uh. that was so bothersome in the because that's the like, I don't know if you remember this. I think you and I were discussing the Avengers at one point, and I was like, one of my biggest problems is some of the costumes of this. Right. Like, when Pepper Potts is in, like, booty shorts, like, little jean shorts, I'm like, I don't ever see that character in jean shorts, and it really bugs me. <laughs> and then the other thing was the powder blue Captain America costume. So, but yeah, look, end of the day, like, probably one of the most enjoyable movies of the year. Yeah. <laughs> and if I have problems with it and stuff like that, it's probably because I'm a cynical asshole. 
I do think it's interesting that... Thank you for not saying yes. <laughs> like, people always, every year, they predict the end of, like, superhero films as a thing. But this year, the only, like, surefire successful blockbuster movies have been the comic book movies. Logan, Guardians 2. Except for Beauty and the Beast. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's its own surefire hit right. uh, that Disney has discovered, the live-action remake. Uh, I don't know. Did Maleficent do well? Uh, I think it went, did fairly I'm not well. sure. I'm just asking. I don't... Yeah. But, like, you know, every year it seems like... But for the most part, it doesn't... Like... gloom of the right. superhero genre. And I gotta admit, like, sometimes, like, I'll see one of these <laughs> and just be like, well, that was okay, but whatever, but... I think the bloom is off the rose, but it's nice that they can still put out. Well, they, I, they, they, I think they can keep stepping up the plate and doing a, a fairly good job overall, with some exceptions. Well, I hope Warner Brothers learned something from Wonder Woman. I doubt it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe so. so. All right, we're going to end this here because we're at 65 minutes. I'm sorry for any of the background noise. <laughs> We try to talk loud. We'll be back to our regular scheduled M-Hog episode soon. Uh, thank you, Hustle. You're uh, welcome. Not so much for this, but for buying me that burger at Mugshots. Um, I'd also like to remind everyone that I would fuck Drew McClane and as she is now. Um, and if anyone can make that happen, cool. So I've been your, your host, Adam. I'm... Your guest co-host, John. Are you sure? Because you sounded really unsure just then. I, I don't like, know what my, my official title would be. You don't know, like calling yourself the hustle. That's my that's my pet. I could I could say the hustle. Alright. This is the hustle signing off. Alright, I think you should it, I think that should be your voicemail. <laughs> What's up? It's the hustle. You know what to do, bitch. Anyway, give it battle. Got a point if you let him explain. It's the point of all.